This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire basketball hoops podcast. We're, we're, we're lucky, Eli. Eli Bedker, Jeremy Moss here. Day late gives us a lot more content. Thank you. College basketball. Yeah, it's been a wild 48 hours, and it seems like we've said that a number of times this year, but this week is no exception. Exactly. And so, well, yeah, our website, if you're stumbling across us, because thank you, first of all, mwr.com, Facebook, Mountain West Wire, we do all, all sorts of stuff there. Twitter, we have some fun, so don't take us too seriously, MWC Wire. Um, so uh, where should we start with the, what happened Friday, Thursday? Uh, yeah, I, we can we can start with Friday's news with the whole FBI and the email release via Yahoo Sports. That was a pretty wild story. All right, so if you're living under a rock, um, <laughs> this has been going on for since at least publicly what August. I believe the news was Summer? initially reported around August, September, October, somewhere around there. Started with, like basically if you if you follow college hoops closely, there's the stuff in Louisville, agents, FBI getting involved money I got it's been going on for a while I still let me ask you this because we'll we're we're gonna there's gonna be very few games talked about this podcast just because day later and there's a lot more other more intriguing stuff to chat about so the FBI is involved with college basketball because I guess tell me why I know we actually I asked you this before but you like why are they really involved because to me they what's the point of the FBI being involved are there more important things for them to be doing that's a that's a common question that's been asked a number of times, and on the surface, it seems silly that the FBI would be investigating something as simple as agents paying college athletes, most of which are 17, 18-year-olds, uh, money to attend certain universities or to sign with shoe companies. But when it comes down to it, uh, the reason that the FBI is involved is because it's fraud, it's bribery, and it's illegal to be doing what some of these agents are doing. So the news that report that was reported on Friday by Pat Ford and Pete Thamel on Yahoo Sports was um, ASM, which is a sports agency um, represented by Andy Miller and Christian Dawkins. They had extensive conversations with recruits and agents over the years um, some, of the, some of the names that you would recognize from this year, like I know Miles Bridges from Michigan State was involved, Wendell Carter from Duke was involved, and we'll get into the Mountain West names here in a little bit. But these agents had allegedly paid off um, some of these college athletes or the families um, to entice them to to bring these athletes to their agency. So... I guess the most interesting thing is that most of the time the athletes that were being paid by Miller or Dawkins ultimately did not choose to sign with ASM Sports Agency. Um, so that's that's kind of funny that they had to you know, go about this in, in the way that they did and were fairly unsuccessful. But the big the big picture is that it's a big deal that there's so much 
under the table activity that's going on in college basketball and it's just completely in affecting the integrity of the sport when you have some of these major three four five-star recruits that are being involved in something that has been stated by the ncaa for years and years that it's not uh, permissible by the ncaa and it will not be tolerated and um, to be honest, this is probably the biggest college sports scandal that has happened in quite some time. Is it, though? I would think so, because you just have so many high-profile athletes that are being involved, and it can completely change what college basketball is like here, because you have columnists like Gary Parish and uh, uh, just all, all different sorts of writers that are talking about how these scandals could impact college basketball because once again it brings up the idea or the notion that uh, what is amateurism doing for college basketball and by that I mean should these athletes be able to sign endorsement deals or sign shoe contract deals while they're still in college because if they're not allowed to do anything that's uh, that's financial based or monetarily based then uh, you'll continue to see these instances where you have people like Christian Dawkins or people like Andy Miller that want to go under the table so that they can provide a good investment for their sports agencies. Because uh, I know that Dennis Smith for NC State, who was there a year ago, he was paid up to $75,000 under the table. And if if I was someone with no morals, if I were to pay a 17 or 18-year-old $75,000 now, and that would guarantee me say $5 million, $10 million, $20 million in the future when they make it big in the NBA, mm-hmm. that's an investment that you have to take because you invest $25,000, dollars $75,000 now and get multi-million dollars in return. That sounds like a pretty good deal from an economic standpoint if you're able to get away with it. It's like, there's a ton of stuff to cover with this. I just think, like, it's if it, here's the article you should go read. It's, um, it's a couple years old. It was done by Stephen Godfrey, who does stuff with SB Nation. It's called, just search Stephen Godfrey Bagman. It's college football, but this obviously happens in basketball by what we've discovered the past, I guess, six months, but most importantly, the past weekend where more names came out. It goes on about the ways about how deals get done to buy players. And the lengths he did to get the story, which he's a very good reporter, so he he's, does amazing stuff. I've known him a little bit, doing a few things with him here and there. But the way he got his info... Like is compared to what the FBI is doing, he's freaking genius or amazing. How he's able to get quotes by he would do like the guys because guys don't want their names out. Nothing's uh, technically on the record. It's all because nobody's gonna give the name out. I gave player X two hundred thousand dollars go to Alabama football or go to Florida or something. This wasn't the agent thing like Andy Miller doing investment. Like I gave Kyle Kuzma University of Utah got ten grand. To, and so there could be issues there where I'm at. That's kind of a big, bigger story for why I'm listing radio papers and stuff about college hoops. It's investment, just like I said, to sign their rookie deal, who get $20 million for three years or something. But the football thing was just to get the guys on campus. So he would have his phone behind voicemail, or he'd, he wouldn't, they wouldn't even allow him to do that, I don't think. He would take, he would say, oh, I go run the bathroom real quick. They guys probably knew, like, He's getting his quotes, but other names. He'd leave himself voicemails. He'd scribble, try to scribble notes on napkins. Because if you're a reporter at this thing, nobody's going to want to talk to you because of what you're doing, even though they kind of they set ground rules. So go read that. It's a very long read. It's like a couple years old, but he goes to great lengths, describes how he did it as well, which is per- I think that's fascinating as well. But it's kind of the same thing, like these similar things. Like you're going to buy players no matter what. So that's while it's not totally related, it's the same thing of 
funneling players to a certain school for a reason. But this situation, like the way it affects the conference, like we had Patrick McCaw, McCaw who what did he? He's he's a Golden State right now. He got a um, there's what numbers? What did he? He got well, just it was alleged a dinner or something or something. Along those lines, is that correct? When he was the yes, UNLV? he his he and his family received a meal that was approximately one hundred eighty dollars back on uh, back in March of twenty sixteen. Was his the P.F. Ching's meal? Was that him? No, no. This <laughs> one was at a I believe a hotel in Las Vegas. It's not coming to me right now. I don't know who got the P.F. Ching's email. It's funny because on the uh, the financial statements, you can check that on Yahoo Sports. It lists a number of these places where. These meals or these well, we services cl- occurred. So Wait, we should clarify they're not yeah. statements. It's like a spreadsheet. Yeah, it is a spreadsheet. One of them was what's it called? Um, I, I'm blank on the name right now. But yeah, there there's spreadsheets that just outline the financial details as well as the pretty mind-boggling that that these individuals thought that they would be able to get away with this. But in Macaw's case, his family received about $180 uh, for a meal on March 23rd, 2016, I believe after McCaw had already declared for the NBA. So in terms of like, severity, McCaw is on low as the list as possible. Yeah, and, and I get that. And some people thought that it was clickbait when I posted this, but by definition or by rule, this is an improper benefit that uh, McCaw and his family allegedly received. And I know if I were in charge, if I had Mark Emmert's job, an individual's family receiving $180 for a meal is not something that would even come close to allowing a player to be ineligible. That just seems silly to me. But by rule, it's something that could impact the eligibility of a player or could impact a university. I don't think that this, unless it balloons into something bigger, is much of a big deal at all for UNLV. But... Uh, like I said, by rule, that is an improper benefit. And I, if we want to transition to Malik Pope, um, that's a bit more serious because yeah. he he received four four digits in money. Allegedly, he received uh, $1,400 in improper benefits from Andy Miller and Christian Dawkins from ASM. And that is far more serious than McCaw's family receiving an email. Or excuse me, a meal. Yeah, and there's others like there's. I saw a guy alert say some guy forty dollars. And so there are a couple things about. Well, here's the deal with Pope. He's done. There's because I was reading somewhere on the. I think it's from Dane O'Neill in the Athletic was going like, what's the severity? What are the actual suspensions? Or what's the deal for guys taking X amount of money? Because there's range from guys getting six figures to guys getting a fifty dollar meal. And part of it too, if you read through between the line, not between the lines, but read part of it, there's pause. There's deniability by some of these guys because. There, because again, it's not a. We don't have exact like. Oh, we don't have a signed receipt at Club X or Bar X or Restaurant A, B, or C. We have him putting in his expense report saying $180 this player or whatever. You know what I mean? Like when we look when you look at that stuff, it's not exact. Like I said, it's not exactly official. You know what I mean? Like it's he put it's just, just notes. And so there's sometimes oh it's a family member. I met with his mom, his cousin, his kid, or not kid, but you know what I mean? Like a relative, an uncle, or something, or. A, an associate of some sort, say his AAU coach, where there are some players, if it's a $100 mil, you may not have known about it because it was their meeting with the family member, but they put his name down because it's for this player. And so there's a few players who may not know, but $1,400, come on. And this was the time when Pope was considering to go pro, correct? Yeah, it, it was. The The financial statements, I believe, only go up to December 31st of 
think it's what is it 2015 yeah it's like a two-year period maybe at most yeah there there are a few there are a few different timelines so it doesn't say when it starts either uh, but most balance sheets run in a a one-year span so Mm -hmm. we don't know when that allegedly took place like the other um spreadsheet that outlined in, in macaw's case of when his improper benefit occurred but in malik pope's case that's a bit more of an interesting uh timeline because of where SDSU was as a program when when Malik Pope signed on. As we remember, uh, Steve Fisher was the head coach at that point, and Brian Dutcher was the assistant, and many of the current assistants for the Aztecs were also on yep. that coaching staff. So um, Brian Dutcher, he had a press conference on Friday, and he completely denied any sort of affiliation with um, the ASM agents. He said... Uh, I'm confident that our staff has done the right things. Neither I or any member of our staff knows Andy Miller or any of his associates or are associated with him in any way. So, Do you believe that? Because I don't. I, with, that, with that amount of money, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, 1400 it's it's decent amount of money. There's the guys getting six figures, but to say there's nobody on staff that knows a thing about it, maybe, but when it's – I don't know. I, I, I just don't buy it. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. The What does need to be mentioned is that the almost all the assistant coaching staff and head coaching staff that was there when Malik Pope signed on to be an Aztec is currently there right now, minus Steve Fisher and I believe minus Jay Morris, I want to say. So and I believe there are other couple more names, but Justin Hudson, Dave Velasquez, Tim Shelton, and Mark Fisher will all assistant coaches or associate head coaches at that time so uh, i would imagine at least some of these guys even knew about asm sports agency i don't know what their affiliations are i do know that and and we discussed this a few days ago as well when the news came out tony bland who was the usc assistant coach who was also a former san Diego state assistant coach he was one of the four assistant coaches that was arrested in the fall for his affiliation with the FBI investigation. So he has a hearing on, I want to say in April for his wrongdoing. He was on the staff, I believe 2013 and he was one of the uh, two or three guys that heavily recruited Malik Pope and brought him to San Diego state university. However, he wasn't the main uh, coach that brought Pope to San Diego state. And that was Justin Hudson who was on the staff then and is currently on the staff. So it's unclear if Bland has any say in this, and I've done quite a bit of research looking back to articles and headlines of Malik Pope's recruitment in 2012 and 2013, and I just haven't found anything right now that would indicate Tony Bland is involved to some extent. But it's definitely something to keep tabs on because he is one of the most mentioned people in all these events in the FBI scandal. Um, that's Tony Bland, and it'll be interesting to see what happens from San Diego State from here on out. But like you said, it's very plausible to believe that Malik Pope has played his last game in, in an Aztec uniform. Well, part of it, like if you if you have a subscription to The Athletic, go read what Dana O'Neill did over the weekend. Or yeah, I guess either was it uh, the 23rd, so sometime Friday. Yeah, Friday, I believe, or Saturday morning. It kind of goes through like risk-reward. Okay, basically from the NCAA bylaws, 1000 bucks even with repayment, you're sitting out a minimum of one year. So here's what comes down. It's like there's reason. There's a, it's a weird reason. 
if you wondered why why aren't all these teams being or suspending players? Because I believe isn't only San Diego State with Pope, and I believe an LSU player are they the only ones who I think are sitting out? Texas's Eric Davis is the other oh, player that's sitting out. I okay. believe only Pope and Davis that's are the players involved in the Yahoo report that have been suspended, except uh, Sean Miller, who's the Arizona head yeah. coach. Oh boy, that's another story. Uh, yeah, but, but here's the the reason. Pope is probably suspended because uh, Aztecs are doing the right thing, I believe, because they want to look into it. So he's suspended from all team activities. Some people try to put technicalities on Facebook. He's not suspended. I'm like, dude, he's suspended. Come on. <laughs> he's done. But like, well, maybe he'll be back. I'm like, no, he's thousand dollars. He's going to be gone for the year. Aztecs are going to have to give up any games they have won this year. However, the reason there's risk reward because Aztecs, the only way they're making the tournament is if they win the Mountain West Conference tournament. They might not even get a opening round bye just because how jumbled it is and how they've been playing this year. So I guess their hope is maybe they'll get things together and maybe something magical could happen. And even if those games are vacated with Pope, it won't impact them going forward if they do happen to win the Mountain West Conference tournament. I'm I'm thinking that's what their logic is. Like, okay, it's a lot of money. It's going to be. They know these rules. They know it's a minimum a year. Even if he's paid it back, which we don't know if he has or not. That's first of all, or arranged to get that paid back. So uh, my guess is they're doing this just in case they do. The only postseason they're going to is if they win the Mountain West tournament, because it, and we you'd be joked on Twitter like they could have like five wins or six wins because everything's vacated possibly at some point. But they're within the rules now because they've they haven't played him going forward ineligible. So they could go to the conference tournament and win it and go to NCAAs with like eight wins <laughs> officially. But my thinking is teams aren't going to sit players because A, NCAA still has – look how long it took the UNC thing, two decades. And they got slapped in the wrist because they technically said every student had eligibility – or not eligibility, but access to take those classes. So it's like, well, loophole or whatever. But why see the player if, there's not, if they're going to vacate later like Louisville? If they win the title – Everybody knows he won the title. It's great. You know what I mean? They're not taking the rings back to players. Good. They may take a banner down, but you still got that exposure. You earn money from it. Whatever it comes back, you may have to repay some stuff. But why sit players down if you don't have to? So I kind of thought you and me did too. Is why I thought a lot of people would be out, but it's just those two guys, and they can't. NCAA can't really technically prove it. So why they'll take the risk and get it vacated five years down the road? Yeah, there definitely has something to be said about risk and reward, and there are a couple things I want to mention with that. The first is on Saturday prior to the the games that took place, Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, was interviewed by the CBS crew with Greg Gumbel and Seth Davis and those guys. And what he said, it, it large in, in large part, it was what you'd expect from Emmert to, to say. But one thing that he did mention that was worth noting is that the NCAA won't be responsible for suspending coaches or players due to this investigation. That all goes down to what the universities want to do. So well, in San Diego State's ridiculous. case, they chose to. It's ridiculous. It, I mean, it it is. I think it's ridiculous, but it is what the NCAA chose to do. Um, I guess the the one thing worth mentioning is that say I'm same I'm associated with UN. Barry is involved in this. He's their point guard. He's say he's listed in the Yahoo report for accepting twenty thousand dollars. So, in the case that this is proven true, and the uh, the university will have to vacate wins for the twenty eighteen season. Okay, so be it. So why don't we just allow Barry to play? And if we end up winning back to back national championships, and one of them has to get vacated, then 
and that's how it goes. But, I mean, the chances that North Carolina is able to repeat without a guy like Joel Berry is probably pretty slim. All right, so you mentioned Mark Emmert on good old CBS and whatever. He's a dummy. Here's my thinking. <laughs> um, if, if you think I'm copying from other people, it's not the case. I just happened to hear it before. But, like, I go read CBS and Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. Go listen to their podcast. I've had the same thoughts they've had for a while. Here's the thing. Like we mentioned earlier earlier on um, that, oh, you guys are getting money. Great. They may or may not know. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal because, at least in my opinion, maybe, I'm not going to speak for you, but look what happened at Baylor. Like not even the Dave Blissing, which is unimaginable, but the stuff recently with Art Bryles and football over at Jerry Sandusky, Penn State. Stuff like that and what's going on at, I guess, uh, those are the two main or even Michigan State a little bit with Larry Nasser being up there at the university for the team doctor, I believe, for most sports. I think that's way worse than any than giving guy even $100,000 because I just think that's way worse because of what happened to all the victims and everything going on. Or even like even look at New Mexico or Colorado State. I think that stuff's way worse than what's going on for giving a guy 150 bucks. I think... And which is odd because NCA, I've always thought forever, people was like, pay the players, give the players money. Well, they got the COA. It's like, great. Okay, fine. That's a little bit here and there. But I honestly do not see the harm. Let them, like, if you listen to those guys over at CBS, like, oh, look at college hockey or baseball. I guess in hockey is different. You can have an agent if you're in college hockey. You can have, uh, you can enter the draft more than once if you're in Major League Baseball to return to school or not. Why can't like look at the Malik Pope, not Malik Pope, but Patrick McCaw? You said the date was March 26th of that year, right? Yes, his career with UNLV had already finished. So why was he? Why would he be penalized for getting a meal afterwards? Is it because he didn't officially declare? I think it's because I don't know this timeline that well yet, but I think it's because potentially he's still part of the university. But I, know, I don't know that for sure though. But you know, guys, like in for you see a lot in college football. Guys who get drafted, there's some inane rule where you can't attend certain activities with your team you're drafted for if your um, semester or, or isn't done for some reason, which is weird. So guys can go participate in some stuff, but they have agents. So my thinking same with Paris, like, why can't these guys, like, his big deal is, like, you know this guy, like, whoever's going to be the top 10 pick. Let's, like, let's just say Brandon McCoy. He'd say he's going to be a lottery pick. He's not going to be, but you never know. Like, one-and-done guy, essentially. Why can't he have a deal with an agent just to help him out, whether it be like, if you have an agent, they give you little loans all the time. I know an agent who represents guys in the NFL. They will give loans to guys like, oh, a, he's not a high profile guy. So he's not doing it like $20,000 loans or here's a card. You pay me back when you get your signing bonus, but he's, he gets guys like undrafted guys later on guys, like nothing fancy, but he'll, yeah, here's dinner money or rent money. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, that he knows he'll get back. Cause he'll get signed. Pause. Why can't, First off, I can't have representation during college. What's the harm with that? If a guy's going to be basically a one-semester athlete. Why is that such a big deal? Because you can talk to agents whenever you want in college. You just can't take a meal, can't take a suit, can't take a car, can't take anything. Why Why can't they have some sort of representation or have a guy? No, You know he's going to be a one- or two-year guy. Here's a grand a month for your college career because I'm your agent. I know you'll get, I'll get it back eventually from you. Why can't? Why shouldn't that be legal? Or be within the rules. Well, I I don't want to respond like I'm defending the NCAA because in these sort of situations I certainly don't. And like you said, I think when you're dealing with things 
that aren't financial-based, like what happened at Baylor or Penn State or what's going on right now in Michigan State, that should definitely be handled in a far more strict manner than something as silly as an agent paying for a meal for a player's parents. I have always been supportive of the idea that players should be able to be represented by agents and should be able to sign endorsement deals if the market thinks that they're worthy of that because it just makes sense. And if you already have these guys that are being paid under the table, then if you legalize that and if you allow players to sign endorsement deals with shoe companies or with agents, then it, it just allows the process to be more fluid and you don't have to penalize universities for doing something that really would just happen a few months after the fact. Because if you're paying players or if you're allowing players to sign endorsement deals while they're in college, they're going to do so in the months following and it just it doesn't, it doesn't affect the integrity of the game. Um, the recruiting will still be handled the same way that it is in, as it has been in the last few years. And I read something the other day that actually said that more recruits are going to power conferences now than at any point in, in college basketball history. I want to say that 95% of the top 200 recruits over the last few years have selected power conference uh, universities. So that's something worth noting. But I, I don't know. I feel like it's time for athletes to be able to receive some sort of compensation if the market decides that that's what they should receive and this doesn't mean that universities should give a stipend to players just because they're part of um, the softball team or if they swim or they're on the basketball team I think if there is a legitimate market for players to be represented whether it be on commercials or if it is an endorsement deal with Under Armour, or if it's signed through an agency uh, or an agency of some sort, then I think that that should be allowed. I I yeah. just don't see that. I don't I don't Maybe, see the drawbacks in that. Yeah, because yeah. like what Paris says, like you think I'm copying, but it makes sense. If you make it legal, what's the problem? You know what I mean? It's like if you if you make what's illegal legal now, what like not to say nothing's illegal, but it it cleans it up overnight, literally. If Mark Emmer were to say tomorrow, any NCAA collegiate athlete can earn money on their likeness, that would clean it up overnight. Am I wrong? No, I don't because think you're what, wrong. What and it's cheating, going to happen regardless. Yeah, what cheating would be done? Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, like his example, again, great. Like, okay, his people will come up. Well, power schools are going to get the best players. You said they already are getting the player, best players, right? If you're going to, if you're already going to go to, if you're if you're the top ten recruits, you're going to choose from Duke, UNC, Kansas, UCLA, maybe some school in your region that's pretty good, Arizona. You know what I mean? Like if you're from some dude from Washington, you might consider Gonzaga, Washington, Pac-12 schools. Any, like, you know what I mean? Like you, they're already getting the best players. Like what's the deal? What's the difference going to be? Because his example, and I like it as well. Is like well. Um, you first off, obviously, gotta be eligible to grades to get in school. That's not going to change because you're still a student. If you're ineligible, well, guess what? You can't play basketball, and people aren't going to pay you. You know what I mean? If you're not in the court, why is Under Armour going to give you a shoe deal? You know what I mean? Or give you a, like if you're not playing, you got to be eligible still if you're there for more than a year. So that it gives them incentives to still be eligible to maintain their whatever 2.0, which is not very hard to maintain. But okay, I'm choosing between Duke because hey, I can get a. Alexis for my during the bat. What you know what I mean? Like you can get a, 
a car for free, a, a lease or something for a year. Okay, I, or I'm going to get $1,800 a month from some local company, or if I'm going to go to UCLA where they're going to give me just hundred grand to play basketball from some from somewhere. Take the better deal. What's the problem? There's no cheating involved. He's going to go to one of, the, one of those schools anyways, right? So that's my point. You take the best deal out there, and the best players are likely going to go to the best schools. Yeah, there might be a smaller, not smaller school, but there's, I, I look into like there's rich alumni anywhere. And so if you want to build some powerhouse at Harvard, you could get all the billionaires who went to Harvard to give a lot of money to get good players to go there. But again, you still got to be eligible to go to the university. So it's not going to change the dynamic of who's going where. Just because Kansas has this huge deal with Nike or whomever they're with, it's fine. But uh, look where other, like Stanford doesn't have a great basketball program, but look at their famous alumni. If they want to put in money to go to get players there, what's the harm? Or there's some company in rinky-dink town, whatever, the pizza dealership wants to give this guy to go to Southwest Missouri State for 500 bucks a month. He wants to go there because that's his best deal. What's the harm? He's going to go to one of those school levels anyways. Stephen F. Austin, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get some player who's amazingly great to go. I know the Western Kentucky guy was a uh, an oddity a little bit this past year or two, that mess. But are you really going to say you're going to get a guy who's going to go to Sam Houston State over University of Texas because they offer more money? Probably not. I don't even know if it would be worth it from a financial standpoint. Yeah. But I, it's kind of rhetorical, but how would it hurt anyone if – say Chandler Hutchison who plays for Boise State at Taco Bell Arena if if Taco Bell offered for Hutchison to be on a commercial um throughout the years okay you have some promotion if Hutchison makes if he has 20 points at a Boise State home game everyone gets a free taco or something and you have Chandler Hutchison on a commercial he makes a few dollars off of that and it's good exposure for everyone involved that harms absolutely no one it it, it, mm-hmm. it just exactly. doesn't it doesn't make any sense and like I want to go back to my old point. This doesn't mean that universities should pay players just for the sake that they're representing the university. And it's not. Because that's yeah, your, that's, that's the argument silly. people had. It's not going to come from the school because people are like, oh, mid majors are going to be bankrupt. University of uh, Utah State, New Mexico, WAC schools, Mountain West school. Grand, who, look at Great Canyon. Maybe they could put point up money because they're the for profit university. This is not going to come from the school. And so it's yeah. It's just continue with. I just wanted to mention that it's going to come from some donor or some dealership or whatever sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, there's an example that Gary Pearson always comes up with that. It's some Alabama offensive lineman. If they want to be on a billboard for a truck dealership in the area, that doesn't hurt anyone. And it just, it's, it's economics and it's how the market determines your value. If, if the market thinks that Deandre Aiden of Arizona is worth a million dollars as an 18 year old athlete, then if he's able to sign an endorsement deal, that's worth a million dollars as an 18 year old student athlete, then so be it. It. Yeah. it. It just, it doesn't affect recruiting because if these guys are being paid under the table, if Duke's able to offer uh, a guy like Grayson Allen $50,000 to come play for the university and that's under the table, then if it's no longer under the table, it's still going to be the same result based, based on prestige, based on money, based on head coaching, all of that. So it, it would not affect the integrity of college basketball. It really wouldn't affect that much other than the fact that the game is just – it, it, it just would make more sense. I don't know how yeah, else to go it's, around it. It's too easy because I could write – I was going to think of an article to write about it, but, like, there's so many thoughts. Like, it's been written about a lot. I'm like, well, let's talk about it. It's like – amateurism is dead essentially, but it's still alive. You can make the case 
you can't help because here's the example I go back to. Um, you may not be familiar with this guy because college football and Olympian. This guy, Jeremy Bloom, downhill mogul skier on the US Olympic team, played college football for Colorado, University of Colorado, or Colorado University Buffs. He could, because if you're Olympian, because look at the Olympics, they got, it's technically they're amateurs, really. Are they? They get millions of dollars. Like the dream team, NBA players now go in the Olympics. Used to be just college guys. There, it was like in the early two thousands, late nineties, I believe. He would, he fought. He was eligible, ineligible, eligible, ineligible. It seemed like every other month there was a deal with him being able to play for Colorado or not because he's Olympian. Because Olympians can make money off their likenesses to whatever deal may be. Like the and here's the Olympians don't make a ton of money anyways. Typically, if you think about it, like if you're a curler or if you're downhill skiing unless like Lindsey Vaughn who people know or Bodie Miller who people are familiar with those names yeah, he can make some pretty good money but how much money is the guy on the squash team going to make you know what I mean or the US women's hockey team one gold medal they were upset getting a thousand dollars a month during the Olympic year only for six months like they can't live off of that wow. so or the US women's national soccer team is going to boycott because they need as much money as the men even which deservedly so not just because you want equal pay, same sport, but they're way better as well. <laughs> they're they're running gold. They're winning World Cups, man. The U.S. men's team's not qualifying, and so why can't like that's kind of off topic? But the money's you want to make the money while you're there. So give him an agent. If this guy in two years is going to be worth fifteen million dollars for a number two pick overall, it'd be smart to have an agent. Why would you not want to have a guy representing you? And if he floats you a grand a month, cool. Because agents aren't like it's kind of <laughs> bring it back a little bit. Because we're going big picture, but I think we're both on the same page. Also, here's the thing. If you're the 12th guy on the bench, you get nothing. Well, sorry, you're the 12th guy on the bench. You're not getting playing time anyways. So it's like, it's it's life. Come on, it sucks. It's great sometimes. It sucks sometimes. If you're the 55th guy in the football team or the 100th guy in the roster, you're nothing. But sometimes they may pay you just heck of it. Like, there's a guys who have personalities. Like, there was the, the kicker from, was it Central Florida or South Florida? YouTube channel got shut down because he's being creative and making a few bucks on a YouTube channel. So, like, why can't they do that? As long Because here's the thing. You still have to be eligible to play. And if you're not eligible, eligible to play, like I said, who's going to pay you, right? Unless unless you have like an agent who knows you're probably going to be a, a high draft pick in any sport, you're not you're not going to have a, a, a sponsorship from some shoe company, some local pizza joint, some real estate company, whatever it may be. You're not going to get that if you're not eligible. Why are they going to pay you if you're not on the court to promote this stuff? So, not to, not to say make everything legal, but let them have an agent. Get rid of the one and done rule because that's ridiculous as well. If you're good enough to go to high school, go play pro. I know that's protecting the NBA Players Association for the older guys who want to stick in the league for another year or two to get that contract, but make it all legal. But here's the thing, like, if you're a sport, like here in U- University of Utah, the, where I'm at, the uh, gymnastics team, women's gymnastics team is very popular. They can go out and get a deal somewhere in town if they want to. At BYU, the men's volleyball team, extremely popular, very good. I am now doing, I played water polo. If you're UCLA, if you're at Cal, if you're at these huge schools, Long Beach State, that are always really good, I guarantee if you're not in California, you can get money for being a water polo guy at Stanford to get some dealership or get a hundred bucks. You know I mean, or a thousand bucks a month. You can be on the baseball team. You can be on the hockey. Look at the, think of the hockey team for University of Minnesota or like Air Force or Denver. You're gonna make money there. You know what I mean? If you play baseball for like a Big West school, you're gonna make money. If you're on my examples are endless. You get my point. If you have a good personality and people are willing to pay you. Why can't you get paid? As long as you're eligible, you're good to go. I don't know. That's, I think we've said enough on that part, right? Yeah, it, it yeah, it just makes perfect sense to me. It's just, it's just how the market works. And say in the case of Chandler Hutchison again, I don't see how it would be a detriment of any sort if he would be able to sign with an agent as an 18 year old signing on to play 
basketball at Boise State as a three-star recruit. And then as he continues to develop into a potential NBA draft selection, which he is at this point, I think if you have an agent that can help you along with that way, not only does it help Hutchison and Boise State as he's a student athlete, but it also helps his transition to the NBA. And as we've seen a lot in recent years with some of these lackluster draft classes and some players just not just just don't seem ready for the NBA level. I think that is something that would, at the very least, entice the NBA, um, which would allow players to have some sort of representative helping them along the way. It's yeah, it's good up. Like there's some with Lamar Jackson, NFL. He's going to be drafted. He doesn't have an agent yet. Some and you hear things like Gary Payton back in the day. I don't need an agent. I can just be. I just need a lawyer to sign the contract. Well, he's a veteran. That's a little bit different when he's doing stuff with Seattle and the Lakers, but. Again, if you're here's the thing too. If you're going to get money at the university for some endorsement, having an agent, two things it does, takes a ton of pressure off the player because agent handle fields all that crap. You're getting phone calls, texts, emails about hey, what deal can we do? And then the agent sifts through all those. Okay, hey Chandler, I got A, B, or C. Do you want to do this? And so it takes away a lot of the pressure out of the player, so he's not getting bombarded because there's always that they're oh they're going to be just super super busy. Well, yeah, a little bit more busy. But agent handles a lot of that stuff. And then also the agent's going to get paid during that time anyway. So if Hutchinson gets from Taco Bell, gives them 500 bucks a month. The agent gets what whatever the percentage is that. He, the agent's still making money as an investment. And that so that it does a couple of things. But also get back to um, all these players' names. Like we need to be careful what we believe or don't believe in this stuff because like I mentioned before, it's not exactly official receipts, it's expense reports. It's a spreadsheet keeping tracks so like Fred Van Van Vliet getting money at Wichita State. All this money is and Malik Pope and whatever other guys are getting over a thousand bucks. It's not to get them to go. Why does it why did Andy Miller want Fred to go to Wichita State? What's the point of that? It's well, an investment it, afterwards, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's an investment. And like I said earlier, as as someone who is studying business, it would make perfect sense. For me, if if you say, okay, sign this dotted line, it guarantees that uh, you pay $2,000 now and you'll get paid $5 million two years from now. There's there's no one that wouldn't sign off on that. That's yeah. just it, – it's just dollars. It just makes sense. So if you're able to develop connections with these players when they're junior, senior, in high school and – Which already happened, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. It's And it's going to happen regardless whether these rules are in place or not because – these agents, and I know they're getting a bad rap right now, but they're just trying to make money and they're trying to improve uh, their clientele. And how they do that is they invest in players who will succeed as professionals. And uh, if you're able to legalize these processes, then I think that improves the game both at the college and the NBA level. So before we move on, will this will this change? Like you mentioned that Mark Emmer, what he said on the Saturday morning CBS Hoop Show, will this, do you think they'll open it up just to change this where hey yeah you can get they'll put obviously there'll be some some rules in place of some degree but do you think anything will change by a couple years like hey yes you can have an agent because college hockey you can have an agent but you can't for sport a b or c i think if the school's not paying for it because like sec made 41 million dollars what do they get for their tv revenue each school what are they gonna do with that money just pay coaches $20 million. There's still going to be – here's the thing, another – what will come up for sure, and you're probably familiar with this, transfer stuff. We already discussed before, well, if you can transfer that penalty if a coach leaves or not, or one time without penalty, whatever, it's not a big deal. Here's the thing. There's still going to be transfer rules in place. You can't go from Texas Tech to 
No, that's a decent school, but just say uh, SMU. If you, if you said UNLV, that would be pretty ironic with the Chris Beard yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, but, what but I'm go saying, ahead. I was thinking of like a school a little bit lower. Like S- SMU is okay, but like University of Houston or I'll go back to Stephen F. Austin or Utah State. If you go, if you're at Utah State, you blow up and you go to and say, oh, Arizona wants you. You still have el- transfer and eligibility rules to go through. So it's not like you can just transfer just because you have a better deal. You still have to wait. You know what I mean? There could be guidelines in place like that, which would curb 24-7 recruiting. 24-7, age, you know what I mean? Like, it'll cut down all that stuff. I don't think much is going to change under Mark Emmert, as long as he's the president of the NCAA. I, I just don't see that happening. He seems pretty hard-headed and um, seems very dedicated to the idea of amateurism and the idea of a student-athlete. So He's a blind eye. Contract... That's been done for 20 years. That's been, like, 15 years, 20 years, that's been out of the window. They just need to open it up, make make some regulations, but allow guys to make money off the likeness. They're, and they can't they can't put a cap because once you open it up and then you put a cap of guys can make X amount of money. There's more lawsuits and stuff, but just open it up like like Gary Parrish said, make it all legal. Then you clean up the sport overnight. There's no cheating if you can't cheat. There's no cheating. You know what I mean? Like, I think it, I think if you were to pick any human in the United States to open it up, so to speak, I think Emmer's probably the last guy on the list. But he should. He should. He definitely he would, should. I, if he, he does, I think he's not he willing to be, do it. He would be heralded as the best end, out of all the crap he's done. He would be heralded as one of the best guys who run the NCAA ever if you if you were to do this. It it would definitely change the stigma that surrounds him. That's for sure. Because they have no power to do anything. There there are just so many silly rules that in, that are in place right now for the NCAA. Like a player receiving Miles uh, Miles Bridges from Michigan State. Uh, this news came out just today that. His parents accepted a meal without his knowledge for forty dollars, and Bridges had to pay that forty dollars back. Yes, yeah, so uh, I mean it's it's just so ridiculous. I don't know why. Obviously, you have to draw a line in the sand, but um, in the instances of Bridges and Macaw, it just it it's gone too far. Oh, real quick, Macaw. Um, do you want to know what date he declared for the NBA draft? Are you curious? I would. I would love to know this. Actually, April fourth, two thousand sixteen. Okay, well there you go. That's approximately two weeks after this alleged meal occurred. Which probably all it was was that he met the agent, like you're legally allowed to do. He just happened to take the money while he was still at the university and still had eligibility left. It's so silly because that conversation was likely, if McCaw was even there or if the meal even occurred, yeah. it was likely to discuss what McCaw cause future was and whether or not he should occur for the NBA draft. Yeah, like a pitch. Which, which should yeah, which should happen. And and the Smart. fact that uh, one hundred seventy eight dollars was spent by someone without the last name of Macaw, um, that's just what happens. I don't know. It's I'll, silly. Another drummer, like I'll, I know I've talked about Rick Majerus the past month or two on the podcast. He lived. You may not know this, and a lot of people probably don't because he's been gone for a little while coaching and also passed away recently. He lived at the downtown Salt Lake City Marriott Hotel at the penthouse. He did not own a res- official residence, like a home or apartment, in at Utah in Salt Lake City. Part of his contract was, "You, my home is the mar- is this is a hotel." That, <laughs> that was his house. So what a contract <laughs> it is. Yes. Um, so Eli, how do you give guys? How do you eat or visit recruits if you don't really have a kitchen in your hotel room? What do you do? Oh, you go to the local McDonald's or you go to the to the restaurant bar or restaurant hotel restaurant to get him food. But you're buying a meal for a player. He got in trouble so many times for that because he's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm in a hotel. It's not, not going to have an amazing kitchen. What am I, I going to do? Give him a bowl of cereal? 
He would go to the McDonald's around the corner. He would order, order room service, essentially. It's the easiest thing to do. He would get in so much trouble. I think it finally got sorted out because that's where he lives. That's how he eats his meal. Because if he's bought... Here's the thing. What's the difference, honestly? If you have a meal with a coach at your home, isn't the coach still spending money to prepare the meal? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So much. I mean, you, you have to pay money to get the food on the table. I know. So it's, it's basically the same thing. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. It's like, dude, just let him go to McDonald's. Like, obviously, don't make it the like. There's the recruiting guys who bust out the five star meals. They order a lot surf and oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Three hundred dollar meals where it's on the school. It's not like that. He's just going to get a guy maybe twenty bucks between the two of them. And so it's like, what's the deal? You, he, I'm sure he probably lost a few recruiting battles because he had to get McDonald's or something in the room service while other players get the surf and turf or yeah. lobster things at other places. Who's not so, even you know, at the university, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because coaches can have coaches' barbecues. They come out and hang out. You can go do that, like party team parties and stuff. But Shout out to Bruce Pearl. <laughs> he, knows, so. he knows a little something about yeah. uh, <laughs> under-the-table barbecues. Yeah, I think we've worn this one out. Yeah, I think we're both on the same page. Make it legal, end it, everything. All right, let's go to other um, non-game stuff. Colorado State finally, finally parted ways. Mutually, it's, I guess. It took a while. A month, right? Six weeks? Uh, I don't know if it was that long. Um, Two wait. weeks after being placed on paid leave of absence. So, oh yeah, we should mention it's Larry Stacy. Sorry, that's his guy. <laughs> and as expected, the reason why, oh, it doesn't say specifically, but negotiating a buyout. Because he is getting, he's on paid leave till July 1st because, remember the contract year stuff, June 30th of every year. So he's like, you can either pay me more if the, if I'm gone now, or you can keep me on whatever my monthly deal is, or my salary through the end of the June. Then pay me. Then he's getting paid the seven, three figure or six figures, three quarters of a million dollars in three installments. So two hundred fifty thousand dollars by what twenty nineteen, I believe it is. So probably every six months he'll get some big check. So I'm not surprised he got money, but I think the Rams just didn't want the headache of firing him without causing going to lawsuit, and then still have to pay him nearly three million dollars plus legal fees. Yeah, I think it's best for both parties that it was resolved this way. I think I'm. I might be a little bit surprised. Are you, Are you surprised by this end result? No, they honestly they should have fought it, fired him, and paid him zero dollars because what was written in his contract zero tolerance clauses put in the contract. I think they could have fought it, not fought, but fired him with cause and paid him nothing. Yeah, I'd like to sign a zero tolerance clause that pays me seven hundred fifty k. Yeah, and that's basically well, what two fifty per year left on his deal, I believe. Yeah, because he had a three he had through twenty twenty one, so three more seasons. So I'm not surprised he's gone because we knew this he was going to come, and so was his assistant. He's gone too. But one thing I did note, I forget who had it out. I think um, maybe Sean Starr had it from the Herald Reporter. There's some deal, some confidential confidential clause in there. Basically, you can't badmouth other party either. So you Stacey or the Rams can't say any bad things about each other. How do you enforce that? Probably with some penalty, like non-disclosure stuff. If you talk about this, you if you say anything about this item, you owe us this amount of money. Wow. So that's it's like the um, what is it, the Stormy Daniels thing with the uh, the porn star and the president? Oh yeah. 
<laughs> money comes out or somebody comes out and talks about it, she can go and talk about it now because somebody broke the non-disclosure fee. Or mm-hmm. it's like the the achy stuff with like Harvey Weinstein. Well, you're my assistant and whatever. I'll pay, if you talk about this ever, you oh you have to pay me a million dollars or something. You're like here's or no it's the other way. Like here's three million dollars to not say anything. If you say something, you owe me that money back. So that's why a lot of stuff is kept quiet when it shouldn't be. So it's 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 in that vein where I'm betting if either side says negative things within the contract or within the what was signed to to him air quotes resign, either party will probably forfeit some benefit they had. But I think they could have fired him and got out of it without paying him a dime. Yeah, I think so too. But all things considered, I don't know, this is probably plan B on the list of the uh, best results for CSU, I'd imagine. Yeah, because you're not paying that much really, think about it. Because it's like it's probably about, um, I don't know what his monthly salary is, but what maybe nine, close to a million dollars, I think. Because he's still on salary for the end of, end of the midsummer. So we're, we're at a March, April, May, June, four more months. And if he's getting what's what's he at nine hundred thousand dollars about? Yeah, it's about that. So twenty five. So say it's a million bucks. He's getting probably just rounding up. He's probably getting almost a quarter million, two hundred thousand probably for the rest of the until the contract officially expires. Mm-hmm. So he's going to end up getting a million dollars, which is about a third of his deal. What's left? So, uh, did you see what Joe Parker said? Oh yeah, I did see that. That was a. A pretty solid quote. Do you have that up? Yeah, I got it right now. Former AD who who's put in place at zero tolerance wanted him fired, but the new president came in and said, nope, you're gone. And said businessman AD Joe Parker. But this is a text to Matt Stevens who assumed obviously permission. And he goes, here's my, he goes, Matt, here's my response. You Stacy error started on my watch. I hired him. I am thankful his time at CSU is over. This was past due. I'm sorry he was allowed to take control of another four classes of young men, and for what they had to endure, I'm thankful there won't be any more. And he wanted them gone because he didn't want to deal with this crap. Yes, winning may buy a little bit of time to do stuff, which he was at the time, but like we've said a million times with you, me, Justin on the show, other stuff, you can yell at guys, motivate them, but you can't throw kick the basketball across the court. You can't grab the guys in an intimidating manner. You can't just get in a guy's face and yell and yell and demean him. You can yell as a group. You can raise your voice clearly. You can get loud. You can bounce the basketball or just, you know I mean, just do something silly like that. But he's like kicking basketballs. It's not like he was bad and just threw it across the gym. Like I can tell that's acceptable. But when he's, there's a reason you see she had close practices forever. He was doing stuff where it wasn't just paranoia of getting secrets out of the plays. It was the way he coached. And so, there's an article I haven't read yet from, I think, from Denver Post. Kyle, is it Kyle Fredericks? Does he do stuff with the Denver Post, I believe? Um, but regardless, he talks about, it's a piece where he talks about what can a coach do or not do. But he says he just went past the line. That's all there is to it. So he's gone. Especially under a zero tolerance policy. Which should have been fired day one. That's why I'm, that's why I'm saying Rams, I don't know. I guess lawyers probably threatened crap and did stuff to make this happen but basically if you're a college coach and you get fired you're getting money somewhere one way or another yeah definitely yeah yeah that's the case in in most of these instances that's for sure so what's next like we put up a list a while ago is it still the same half dozen guys dozen guys we're looking at yeah i think so uh i have seen a few other lists but for the most part some of the same names are shared uh um well a lot of mid-major head coaches from 
conferences that are maybe a tier or a tier below the Mountain West or some assistant coaches that have ties. Um, so we'll see if some names start to pop up. And I'm sure they will over the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we definitely have a, a list of some solid candidates on our site if you want to check that out. Yeah, I put up the front page. We won't go through them all because we did before just because we have. And so it's uh, just yeah, check it out. So um, hold on. Whoops. Uh, I'll play video. Awesome. Um, so let's um, – I don't know. We talked for a long time. Any pressing actual basketball stuff we want to discuss? I guess if we're still on Colorado State, I think it for for the Rams fans that are listening to this, I think it is worth noting the CSU Nevada game on Sunday because the Rams, as we mentioned, they're they're playing without their head coach Larry Eustace. Jace Hurl's the interim head coach, and CSU is also playing without JD Page, who was suspended due to a violation of team rules. And even regardless. CSU competed very closely with Nevada for a solid 40 minutes in Reno. The final score is 92 to 83, but this one was a close one throughout. And Colorado State actually looked like they might have a chance to finish this thing out in the stretch. So uh, you definitely have to give credit for how Colorado State competed. It it certainly wasn't one of Nevada's best games of the year, but um, for a team that has gone through a lot and will finish 10th place in Mountain West just a year removed from their second-place finish. I think you have to give Colorado State a hand for how they played on Sunday. Oh, yeah, Nevada, congrats. You went back-to-back titles. Now we get to it. 50 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> we had a shirtless must spotting as well. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he said he would, and he came through again. So um, also, uh, yeah, Rams are bottom. They got the number one seed in Nevada, Boise number two. There's a Monday night game right now. It just ended 54-48, zero points essentially. No teams wanted to play offense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fresno won. Uh, they're without Deshaun Taylor the rest of the way with the foot injury, but the uh, Bulldogs are probably going to finish. They're going to get a bye. I'm assuming, right? With them, with them not having eleven conference wins, are pretty much assured of that, I believe. Yes, t- tonight's victory, or, or I guess Monday night's victory over Air Force, does guarantee that Fresno State will be a bye. So we'll see. Their their next game is against New Mexico. That one is in Albuquerque, and that game will determine who will be the three seed and the four seed. So. The winner of that one will be the three, and the loser will be the four. Um, earlier this season, Fresno State did defeat New Mexico at home. That was 80, 89-80 back on January 13th. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Do you, know, do you know what the tiebreaker is between those two schools? I do have it up, yes. It is record between the two teams. So, Oh, yeah, so that is worth noting. Um, it isn't necessarily the winner-take-all unless one of these – tiebreakers indicates that the so the, the yeah first tiebreaker is record between tied teams so obviously if fresno state wins and they're set the second tiebreaker is record against the highest seeded team not involved in the tie so nevada. neither yeah neither of these teams beat nevada oh, wait, 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 wait. but there's that tiebreaker ends at that point you know why does it end jeff Grammer mentioned we were chatting on twitter i forget which team it is uh new mexico it's 0-1 versus Nevada. They only play one time all year. Fresno is 0-2. Technically, New Mexico would have the better record for some reason. Oh, come on. No, I'm not is that, kidding. Is that really? That's is what, it, is, oh, my that's gosh. What he really? Said. Yeah, that's what he said. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, So it comes down to how the schedule's formatted? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Essentially. I'm like, we're talking oh back and forth. I'm like, go to the next best team. You can go by winning percentage. That's – no, I don't – I'm not with that at all. It's terrible. Um, and never mind the fact that these schedules are already pretty unbalanced to begin with. No kidding. Sheesh. Fresno State gets the short end of the stick. Is, so, the Me- is the Mexico going to get a bye? 
Uh, yes. Yes, so, they are. So who's the next team? After Fresno State in New Mexico? Who's going to get it? Wyoming or San Diego State? I guess New UNLV has a small chance. Yeah, I, it would have to be... Would it have to be uh, San Diego State? Well, they're both tied. If they beat each other, beat Wyoming, they... We have to go through that lame tiebreaker. No, it would have to be Wyoming, right? Because Wyoming has a win over Nevada. Uh, I still get the In final. the case that they tie. Because Wyoming and San Diego State did split. Well, my point, let's go easy. You're, you're overthinking it, Eli. Aztecs play Boise and then versus Nevada to end the season. <laughs> Where Wyoming plays Air Force and not Boise State, so... Okay, true. Wyoming, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you're that, overthinking that it, man. Bit... You're, you're, yeah. you're, there's two games well, left. Now, now we have all these ridiculous tiebreakers. I don't even know where to begin with. This is as bad as BPI. Oh, boy. Uh, guess what? Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see the seeding, though, uh, between the teams seeded, what is it, five through eight, and, of course, with the Fresno State New Mexico because we're just two games or less away from Mountain West Tournament play, and only four of the seeds have been determined, and that's Nevada at number one, Boise State number two, and Colorado State 10 and San Jose State at 11. Very true. And also what's going to be interesting is that because it's six teams play, so one, two, three, well, I'm counting six, but so if it's Wyoming, UNLV, or San Diego State, like there's going to be a good team in the opening round game. Yeah, de- definitely. Because UNLV, yeah, they're at home, whatever, but they're they're, they're fairly solid even though they've been – they're what we thought they were. They're a pretty good, okay team. They, they're oh, one, one correction. Air Force is locked into the number nine seed with their loss tonight. Okay, so there's well, that was previous. Okay, so those so those three spots. Utah State probably doesn't have a chance anymore. I don't think to get up there. So they're probably in that opening round game. But like Sam Merrill, Kobe McEwen, like come on, they could do something. You know what I mean? There could yeah, be certainly. some. There'll be some decent games. It, even CSU, like even I know the JD Page is gone as well. But that, they they're short some heart, but. After next week's show, we will have is next week, and will we know the bracket next Saturday when we record next Sunday, right? Yeah, and then we'll be off to Vegas. You and I in Vegas. Oh man, that's gonna be fun. Partying, right? Yeah. We will have. We'll figure something out. And working. <laughs> we'll we'll have some fun. We'll figure some stuff out for coverage wise. Uh, maybe we'll do some Facebook live videos. We'll do a bunch of podcasts to get you guys up and going and l- knowing what we're doing, staying up well past our bedtimes, probably recording and doing work and stuff. And I have brackets I need to make cause that's, that's the weekend before selection Ooh. Sunday. So I'm, I'm not going to get much sleep that weekend, Heat. but it's all in good fun. That's right. He checks CVB. Is that it? That's right. Yes. Thanks I get it part. right. Finally check it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all we got for tonight. So if it's a day late, probably two days. So I mean, this may not be up till Tuesday morning, but thanks for tuning in. We chatted a ton about, NCAA, NCAA stuff. Make it legal. That's all we got to say, Emmer. Come on. Make it legal. Let them earn do, money. Do the thing. Just flip the switch and your jaw, you'd be the most celebrated man in America. That, that's all I got. Check us out. iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Spreaker. Give us a review if you like the podcast. Let us know. Share, share it to your friends. Subscribe. But we'll be back next time. And yeah, later, folks.